0: Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about self-identity, expectations from society, and how that affects our self-worth. This is the first time I've ever heard of this, but it looks like we're entertaining a sexual renaissance, or it might only be a Tulum 2021 thing. Who knows? masked man number 55 is the sensual man we talk about how we're breaking free from the repression of sexuality where some perversions are no longer accepted and that we're more mature in our understanding of our sexual selves where we can now start to challenge the types of relationships and sexual interactions we have with others he shares his perspective on breaking down the old perspective on sex and breaking into a new blended more inclusive one i hope you enjoy the show
1: So I think um, a key component of health is like gathering together in community. And I was, I was feeling a lack of that. At the beginning of lockdown, I mean, I was, I was the epitome of lockdown. I was in my mom's house. I was um, in her library. Just, and at first it was like really nice to just like to actually just like block everything out. And just kind of like I got into a lot of tutorials around editing photos and stuff. And I was just really craving community, which is like a key component to me to health. And so it's kind of interesting that we're like having this extreme focus on health, but we're also I'm told to kind of cut off this key component, which I consider is gathering and celebrating and partying. And Tulum is this this epicenter now of, and it's a very controversial epicenter in that way, because everyone's coming here from all around the globe to escape their lockdown measures because Mexico is inviting them. And to speak to that controversy, there's no... COVID relief package for the people of Mexico. So it's interesting to see on Facebook all the criticisms of everyone coming down to Tulum. Oh my God, everyone, stop going to Tulum. Like, what are you doing? This is like so irresponsible, so 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 socially responsible. And then to hear the Mexican perspective where they're like, I'm so happy you guys are here. Like, we're, you're literally putting food on our table. Like, we're so happy you're here. Within that, I mean, obviously there is that gentrification that's happening in Tulum, which we're pushing locals out. So it's like very, we definitely have to be sensitive about the way in which we show up in foreign countries in general, but we do also have to like appreciate or acknowledge the fact that the Mexican government hasn't put any restrictions on inviting people in here and the Mexican people themselves also seem to be very inviting in my experience to us being here. And so like I, my second time coming back here, like I asked permission to the land. We had, we had ceremonies. So yeah, basically just asked permission to be here in respect to the land, because when we didn't do that, when like the first time I came here, we had stuff stolen, we had stuff go missing, and, and in every culture, they have, what you the, the universal understanding of it would be, they would call them elementals. In Ireland, they call them the fairies, and in Hawaii, they call them the menahune, which means the little people. And um, they had another word for it in Mexico, and I'm forgetting the word. I just learned it the other day. But but they they were talking about that too. And then our second time coming down here, they have that um, that lore towards a lot of different lands, like for example, like Bali, like you're supposed to ask permission to the to the island before you come there. Yeah. And so and so that will definitely like you know, ward off some of the discord that can happen when you come to a different place with a mindset of like partying escape, you know, which kind of initially was the purpose or the reason coming here, to escape my sheltered and locked-down uh, state. Okay.
0: That's so cool. I, I actually came here to, um, to retire, you know? Like, I made sure that I had everything I needed in order to leave. You know, I, I needed my business in order. I needed enough money. I needed... My permission was actually permission from my parents to get a blessing from them to say, like, you know what, you're good. You've got everything covered. You can just lay low for a while. And I, I was looking actually to come here for isolation. So I've come here to just like isolate myself on a beach. I mean, it's different coming into Loom with, with my roommate because, you know, she wants to to meet people and she works with people, right? So it's a little bit different, but I've, I've like kind of self-isolated in a weird way. So it's been very like self-reflective for me mm-hmm. uh, since I've been here and and really focusing on this podcast. and getting as many interesting voices as possible. And it's been super, super weird in, in Tulum. Like, I think it brings a certain type of, of people into, into the same space together. So, so you're a photographer, right? So what do you do, what's a typical day like for you here now in Tulum? Like, how do you work? Do you like, spend a lot of time on the beach? Like, what does a, a typical day look like?
1: Yeah, I'm a photographer, videographer, writer. I think the interesting thing about writing and just the liberal arts in general is I feel like they're all connected in a certain way, and so I think the um, liberation of calling yourself an artist is that you don't get pigeonholed into one medium, and so I often take breaks from photography. Like recently, I I was just shooting for my friend, and... And they took my camera like they had my camera for a couple of days and I just let them I trusted that it would come back to me and kind of enjoyed that release into other mediums because I find that when I take when I like when I first traveled to Hawaii for the first time, I didn't have a camera. I didn't bring my camera and it was like it was like an itch. I wanted to shoot, but then it drove me more into writing. And so so the post that I had that's Driven me into this podcast was focused like a lot about writing. It wasn't just the photography. And so a typical day, like for me, is trying to find people that are want to shoot and not and want to and they want to pay me and or have give trades or and then often it's just an adventure. And so it's a it's a struggle finding that work life balance in a way to because there is a lot of distractions and that's why going to leave soon because there is a lot of parting here and there's no denial about it and before i'm like lambasted just to like sig segway about like the, that co- the whole covid thing like i carried around test kits i um you know was test testing before i would travel and everything we had these instant pcr tests but from my experience like i get zero symptoms and i know there's this whole idea about like asymptomatic spread etc but i don't like from my experience like my girlfriend had it and she had mild symptoms and you know i was in intimate relationship with her and i had no symptoms would not test positive etc and so like i really do trust my body's ability to fight off infection to the point where i don't produce a viral load enough to transmit the virus without getting a vaccine etc and i'm going to continue getting tests and look to get an antibody test to see why my body shows no symptoms and doesn't produce a viral load enough to test positive for the virus.
0: You know, I've, I've been recently reading this book, How to Become Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. You, you love it, right? <laughs> yeah, oh
1: my God. I was just getting into this and I'm just, I'm gonna buy my girlfriend or my partner's dad a ticket because he has cancer, and, and he will not accept any alternative alternative retreatment, so I wanna buy her, him a ticket to a retreat for Do- Joe Dispenza, but I've just recently got into it, so it's so cool that you said that, because I've just recently, like literally last night, been watching his stuff on an iPad. I'm like, yes, I'm buying your dad a ticket to this fucking retreat. Since he won't accept any alternative treatment for his medicine, we're gonna, we're gonna pitch this to the, him as like just like a, a experience rather than
0: yeah. You know, and it, it's funny how he talks about like how your brain can, has more power than your body. Right. So like, if you believe that you work out every day, then you will be fit. Like your body will actually resonate as if it was fit, you know, even though you've never moved your body at all. Right. So it's, it's interesting when you talk about COVID and, and health, right? Like if you think you're healthy, you will remain healthy and, and you put yourself in an environment where you'll forever be healthy. Right. So I think that has yeah. a contribution to that right
1: I think there's a word in in health in the health in the study of health in academia would be um parapsychoimmunology immunology which is the study of the mind's effect in the psychological uh, state of mind over your body's state like body health and so this is like public it like this is academic research knowledge and like you can yeah like this is becoming mainstream and it's been a topic of study since the beginning of medicine. We're at a pivotal like medical and sexual renaissance. And so I'm so stoked that like this is becoming mainstream and that people down here are talking about this in a scientific way rather than this like pseudo-spiritual way. Like we're we're combining these Western Eastern ideas. And like this is something that they've known about for millennia. And so it's super huge that it becomes that we see it in the scientific light that kind of Joe Dispenza is yeah. pitching it.
0: Yeah, that, that's so cool. I, I wanna bring up uh, a sexual renaissance. So like, what does that mean to you? And, and why, why do you think that's coming up now, specifically in 2021, like a, a movement to to a rebirth of sexuality? Yeah.
1: So we are definitely, I would say, in the midst of a sexual renaissance, as well as a psychedelic renaissance and a political renaissance. But the, psych, the sexual renaissance that we are in the midst of is so critical to our, um, to our evolution as a species, that if you go back and read the writings of Freud in 1929 when he wrote Civilization and Its Discontents, this was before the sexual revolution of the 1960s. And so I think he says something of the like that it is hard to overstate the, the effects of sexual repression or the effects it is hard to overstate the extent to which civilization has been built upon the repression of our natural instincts and civilization before this millennia was literally built on the repression of our sexual impulses the repression and repression leads to perversion and so it is so interesting that like in our in our culture which is built on this is built on a Christian religion, and this is, goes across all religions. But we'll, let's focus on one at a time. Christian religion was so focused on the repression of sexual desire, which led to perversion that we know as like pedophilia, in the Catholic Church, which also then led to this perversion that they were that they were they've repressed sexuality to the extent that it that it expresses itself as perversion, and the perversion of like. Pornography and if so a lot of people think that people were circumcising for religious reasons, correct? A lot of people were being circumcised for religious reasons, but one of the reasons some people say that people were being circumcised in the Western culture was to prevent masturbation. Really? And yeah, and so our Kellogg, um John Kellogg, Dr. John Kellogg, I think he was the brother of the guy that made the cereal. His he said the the prime sin, basically the prime enemy, the enemy number one of the public enemy number one was masturbation. Really. And so this is and but if you look if you look further back, at the Greek gods like Zeus, for instance, like our whole entire sexuality, our base of sexuality was male domination. Mm-hmm. And if you look back on our gods like Zeus and look through all the mythologies and look through all look about all the rape stories. Zeus raped all the like so many different people and this is this was like their you know like biggest God in Greek mythology and no wonder that then they have like they had normalized like pedophilia or what they called it pederatry I can't remember exactly what they called it but it was basically the relationship between a mentor and a child and that now we know in this modern day we're so lucky to live in this modern day where these things aren't normalized where it's not normal to be a pedophile like let's honor that for a second before we look at all these ways we can grow as a culture, let's honor the fact that we are now living in a civilization that is the most sexually free that has ever been on the planet to this day. We have just come out of a fucking dark ages and we are in the midst of a sexual revolution. It is so exciting that women are now like allowed to dress freely and like, and you know, and there is a lot of perversion within that perhaps, and, and we can talk about, like we can delve into that in so many different ways, But that alone is like, is so, is so exciting.
0: So I heard this, um, this one post I saw on Instagram, it was kind of saying that straight guys don't like women that consent, like the happily consent, because part of the chase is that coercion, right? Of like the, like chasing her, convincing her. But if she's already convinced or she's already into it, then it removes the whole point of it. And then I think what ends up happening is, like you said, the perversion, if they don't get to validate their actions anymore, then suddenly it's like, oh, well, she's easy. She's a slut. Like there's like some blaming and labeling based on that. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you recently put up an Instagram post yourself as well, kind of celebrating the platonic aspect of female sexuality. And like it doesn't have to be a sexual context or an alluring message to men, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So without that... I think it it confuses people because even like, I mean we, we we might not tolerate pedophilia now, but we do have an aversion to platonic relationships between the opposite sex. You know, like people don't mm-hmm. believe that that's possible. But why doesn't why can't it be possible? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm blessed to live in a culture or a subculture where you know platonic relationships between the other sex is is kind of normalized. But we do seem to be like almost like a marginalized group, not a marginalized, I don't want to say marginalized because it, it implies oppression, but um, but a, a minority group right. that yeah. where we're having so many. And so a lot of people ask me like, why do you, how do you have so many like beautiful women around you? How do you like, why do you have so many beautiful women around you? Why do they flock to you in this way? Okay. And I'm like, well, because I'm not trying to fuck them. It's, like, it's pretty simple. I'm not trying to have sex with any of them because I have a certain standard of like the connection, the depth of the connection, before I want to have, be intimate with them. And by nature, when you have that type of intimate connection with someone, that woman is going to want to have sex with you. And if you're like... And if you are... And it's, she's going to know it within minutes of meeting you if she wants... Like some sort of sexual connection with you. And men that pursue, men that are having to rely on this coercion, they're never getting to that level of intimacy, I think, because the chase that they're referring to is actually like based on manipulation. And so I think the post that you're referring to probably comes from a sort of feminist kind of movement, which is based on the overthrowing of this like patriarchal, like dominating society, which has which has predominated, you know, like our culture, but it isn't the only approach to to redefining male sexuality. It's not like the only, like we don't, we shouldn't just criticize these men who are, and, and categorize men in this way, but we should also find these men who are examples of the alternative, who appreciate a woman coming onto them, and then and like honoring that rather than calling her a slut, like you really want coercion to be the basis of um, sexuality. So would you please like come back to this, the post again and restate it? Be, because I want to hear clearly in the state, because I, I went to a liberal arts school and I also saw the dark side of feminism. There literally was a teach, there was a, there was a, um, a speaker that came to our campus and her, her um, speech was called, or her book was called The End of Men. In <laughs> the rise of women. And why does the rise of women need to be the end of men? Well, it is kind of a revenge thing because men have abuse power in these ways.
0: You know, I think that's interesting because we, we don't talk about that enough, right? And then when, I guess in feminist culture, when we talk about stuff like that, it's like a celebration, you know? And it's like, isn't that exactly the same problem if you're celebrating an attack at another group, right? Like, it doesn't make you any better or worse if you have that same mentality. So, I I think the idea is just, like, if you think of pop culture now and a lot of, like, sex-positive artists right now that are, you know, pro-female, you know, that that happily showcase their body Mm -hmm. it might be hypersexualized. there might be some repercussions in the sense of youth not understanding it so you see a lot of like tiktokers you know getting hypersexual with with the posts and they might not know better Mm -hmm. so i think that's what i'm worried about when i see young girls and i'm like you you might be putting yourself too much because now like what 25 year old doesn't have nudes that are leaked you know what i mean so at at some point I, i i I'm glad that that's normalized, but also not because Uh I don't know how much of that was coercion in order to get there. So I think coercion is one thing. Then the other thing that I've realized is the fear of men losing power. Mm -hmm. Because if women have to gain power, that's at the loss and the consequence of another group, right? So how do you find that equality, right? Because you can't both be powerful. Like something's got to give. So Mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Huh.
1: Interesting. You can't be both be powerful. No. This is, the, this is the predominant ideology, I think. Okay. We can't be both be the powerful. There's a war, there's a, in a sense, I, f- I feel like there's a metaphor for this. Love is war, yeah. they say, and all is fair in love and war, they say. Yeah. Okay. What a, what a strange, what a strange <laughs> paradigm we're living in. Yeah. We can't both be powerful. But I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't, I don't want to claim to know the solution to that. Yeah, what happens when the matriarchs gain power, and and they do want revenge on men. But I think there was a lot of matriarchal societies, and I think in the last 40, 60 years, there's probably been 70, 60, 70 female presidents, female heads of states of different countries. And this is, this is nothing new. I mean, there was female leaders of war. There was female heads of state. There was female, I don't know if you'd call them pharaohs was the female, you know, you know? There was female leaders since the beginning of time, and now we're bringing back female leadership. And I don't think it has to be, I think, it, I think in nature it probably is a war. Because in a way, a political society, like a social society, is like a group of, fam- like a family, and we, we war with each other, with our ideas, and that's okay. Like it's okay that we're like fighting with each other. We don't have to have this um, duality with it, saying male, female. Like um, a lot of these women that are, that are that have come to power, in a sense, they've they've sacrificed a lot of femininity in order to to appease the patriarchy, and that's been celebrated in a way. And I, I really I really want to see matriarchs come to power that are empowered in their feminine. In, in the natural world, there's a lot of matriarchal societies, like elephants. I think bee, you know bees, the the queen is the is the lions in a way are um matriarchal there's a lot of matriarchal examples in the animal kingdom and i don't i don't feel like it's like a war but it it is a polarity Mm -hmm. and so polarity is the different paradigm than war and so they are different and i don't think we should compare men to women and think a woman can do everything that a man can do a man can do everything a woman can do women cannot do everything that a man can do because women can do other things that men can't do Mm -hmm women can do very important things that men can't do and we should celebrate that because I, like, I, really, like, I really think we might be losing that if we stick to this feminist war on men ide- ideology.
0: I, I like that you brought up the animal kingdom because the animal kingdom, there are yeah, either male dominated or female dominated species, but those roles are already defined, right? So you're not, you're not gonna see mm-hmm. anyone go out off script, yeah. but in humanity, the rules aren't defined. Uh-huh. Right? So you can have more masculine energy, more feminine energy, you can have an imbalance. Sex. You can, like, I was brought up to be a man, and then I realized, like, oh shit, like, I'm not a man, so I don't get the same uh, story, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, get the yeah. same privileges. So I was just like, oh, man, I keep hitting these shortcomings. And I was like, oh, right, I forgot I'm not a man. So <laughs> I think that's the thing about there's no definition of roles anymore. Uh-huh. And that how is a society going to run without those boxes that everyone is put in? Because if if we are in a sexual re- renaissance or any kind of renaissance in general, we're moving away from those labels. Mm-hmm. And then how is society going to operate and maintain control over people if no one can fit in boxes anymore? And... I think in a traditional male context, there's always like, who's top dog? Who's like the sidekick? Like, those roles are defined. But if you're in a relationship with a, with a woman who wants to compete to be top dog, then it's an issue, because who who decides who is? You know, is that within their group, between them, or does society dictate? Who, this is a, very, this dog is a
1: very important po- question. This is a very important <laughs> question. You're hitting on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, in a sexual renaissance, you are breaking down the old ideas of sexuality and replacing them with new ones. And so, in that sense, we do need that's why we need podcasts like this, because we need a unified principles on which to guide our sexual relations. Like, we do need, I do think there are roles, like gender roles. Maybe we need to redefine them, but maybe certain ones are okay. And Maybe the man does cook, maybe that is the gender role that we switch but that is going to be that is going to be you know dependent on the relationship to relationship but obviously there need there the polarity exists and the polarity is is attraction in a way like there's a certain amount of similarities you have to have for a relationship to work but you also you also have polarities of energy that makes attraction what it is so your question basically is how do we move forward we're having a sexual renaissance we're pushing aside the old ideologies like the old ideas of gender roles where the, the woman doesn't have power she doesn't have money she's she's stuck in her household and and so like when freud was talking about these things he kind of he kind of demonized monogamy and then we saw we see though through scientific studies that in polygamy a lot of times that results in a lot of female oppression also because women end up being abused in different ways. And so I definitely think we need a unified like ideology in a society about about male gender roles, male, about female gender roles and and I don't know what that you know, I don't know what the answer to that and I think these discussions are super important so that we can figure out exactly the directions we go when we break down the old repressive repressive norms, replace them with almost like new norms. Like, is monogamy? Are we over? Are we really? Do we really want to overthrow monogamy? And what? And if so, what do we replace it with? And if so, if if this polyamory or polygamy is the, is this sexual like ideology paradigm that we're going forward with? What does that look like? How does that actually like empower both sexes? Or is there an evolutionary purpose for monogamy that has you know has, is the reason why monogamy has survived for so long? You know just like the, is there an evolutionary purpose for why religion has existed for so long is there an evolutionary purpose for the idea idea behind a, one god or is there many gods or is there no god you know and i think we do need to look into history and look into the roots of these ancient religions these ancient cults because i do think they evolved to a certain point and they reached an apex, and then they disintegrated. And I think what we're now seeing is like actually the disintegration of a lot of norms that were actually good. And so we think of the breakdown of the idea of gender, and now all of a sudden there's like a million genders. Like, do we need certain labels, and what are those labels? And if we if we separate the idea of sex and gender from like the medical definition like the chromosomal definition and all of a sudden you decide your gender and then you go into a a doctor's office and you are saying like well i'm I'm a man actually like i'm i'm literally a man is there a scientific basis for these for these labels that if we disintegrate into a into where your idea about like your gender or your sexuality is a predominant thing then are we going to see the disintegration of norms like Maybe, like, maybe monogamy, you know, or, or certain norms that were...
0: I, I, think, I think what's interesting is you said if you're going to redefine monogamy, does that mean monogamy is gone and then you replace it with something new? Or do you revise existing monogamy to be monogamy version 2? Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, right? Yeah. I think that hasn't been decided yet. It's right. like, And if it is monogamy version 2, does that mean technically you did kill... Old monogamy to mm-hmm. make version two, or is it mm-hmm. just elevated? Mm-hmm. And then when you talk about changing labels of gender, if if the world was genderless in a societal context, right, like people don't ask your gender anymore, you just find out about what people want to define themselves as when they're engaged in some kind of intimate act, and that is when you get to a biological sense of sex and attraction and you know interaction with another human does do you Do you think that will affect any will affect the society because i I can look at that I can see an ideal future where it is genderless that way there's no power dynamic anymore because right now male characteristics are still a dominant like, desirable trait assertiveness aggression you mm-hmm. know strength mm-hmm. physical strength you know all of those things but yeah. if we're all pretty like gender neutral mm-hmm strength doesn't have, doesn't hold that same power anymore. You won't have to size people up and be like, that person's bigger than me or whatever. It's just everyone just exists. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that you're kind of desensitized to those physical attributes. Do you, mm-hmm. do you think that can happen?
1: I love that idea. I love to think that could happen. Yeah. So the only problem I see is that when we break down, we break down genders, there's still something presiding over the male male characteristics that make him a male, which would be physical strength and a, a perversion towards violence or a, a um, uh, yes, it's like a, um, his ability to dominate someone of the opposite sex. So when we break down genders, does this male who is now genderless in a genderless society, does he still have the ability to dominate a woman or a self-described woman that is a man or a man or or genderless you know non-binary does the man who was born as a chromosomal man in the scientific definition of a man does he still have the ability to physically dominate that person because violence from our historical perspective has been what has like led societies like might makes right and so I think what is a more important thing is like we move away from the idea that like because you're stronger you have a right or an ability to project an energy of dominance over someone like just because you're stronger doesn't mean you can dominate and so it what would be what would be a crucial thing is if as a society as a social norms that the woman who is the alpha female I'm going to stick to woman I'm going to stick, stick to woman and man in this context because so the woman was who is who has the ideas that can lead our society forward is protected by those around her in a physical sense, in a very physical sense from these domineering alpha males, I guess you would say, and protected in a sense philosophically and socially so that her ideas can get to the fore stage of society and that she can become, you know, the matriarch that she's designed to be, because her ideas are dominant, and so I think that is moving away from might makes right into right makes right, like into uh, into more or into a moral core makes right. Yeah. And so whether or not you're born, you know, as science would define a woman, whether or not you were born with a vagina or a dick, which chromosomally you could define, someone who was born with a dick might have more feminine characteristics to the point where eventually maybe science will define, say, she was that male is a, is actually like chromosomally like a female like there is there is some certain emerging science that says that you might be able to be born with a dick and actually like chromosomally or like biologically chemically biochemically actually be more female than you are male and so there is some emerging science that i think validates this you know it's been around since like the native americans recognized it the you know the, the non-binary gender I can't remember the two spirits you know so I think the non-binary idea has been around since four millennia and I think it I think the more crucial idea is not like around non-binaryism but rather like we move away from might makes right and into a moral of standing society where we defend physically defend those whose ideas and whose morality is justified and actually maybe even physically dominate those who are, do, are are perpetrating this physical violence, or maybe you could call it psychic violence even, on those who, like, where is the retribution? Maybe we do need retribution against these people who are going around running amok, because I see it in, in our spiritual community. They literally run amok manipulating those around them like there's this thing in eastern mysticism where the gurus would um, come to power and then they would manipulate their followers and all of a sudden they're having sex with all their followers and they're the and they're the guru and they're the man and then they saw this opening within the hu- like they they got exposed in india and stuff and so like everyone knows about them they're like you know and so they saw this opening in the hippie community and they're like oh wait these hippies are like all about like open love and sex and stuff i can just teach them yoga and like fuck all my followers and like now all of a sudden we're exposing these people and maybe we maybe there is an evolutionary like purpose towards violence and maybe we just need to redirect that violence towards these people that are domineering towards femininity domineering and manipulation and manipulative over these things that we would call you know moral righteousness like
0: I think it's interesting when you say might, you know, and, and you think of fighting, and you think of, that means there's a winner and a loser, right? That means somebody can take something away from you. That's why you're having a fight about it. If there wasn't a fight, if there was just acceptance, and, you know, when you're talking about the violent or physical aspect of that, that's just size. So I don't know if that's going to really be affected with gender. You know, mm-hmm. whoever's bigger has an, has, has an upper hand. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying you're trying to find a community that will support them like the ones that are smaller you know physically to kind of give them that that space because I mean as women you know we can't we can't I can't live in La Valletta in Tulum because mm-hmm. there's like dark pockets mm-hmm. I have to live like downtown yeah. where there's light everywhere where I'm yeah. right at the Tulum Avenue uh-huh. so and 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 smaller people maybe not just women would also feel that discomfort right so yeah So I don't know, how can you tell the rest of the world to not take advantage of that? You said that these men need to be reprimanded physically. You know, like there needs to be that physical consequence for them in some aspect. But right now, whenever there is any sexual misconduct... Yeah. They, they get reprimanded in a social context or a professional context. So yeah. maybe it's not even as affected because, uh-huh. you know, it's got a slap on the wrist, they might lose a job, and then they, they're back into it, you know? So mm. how would you then make it so that it, it affects them more?
1: Well, this is great that, that we've at least moved... Now we need to acknowledge that we've at least moved into a way that the men is the one that's socially reprimanded for rape, for instance, because actually, historically, sometimes the women were oppressed for their own rape. Like, it goes back to the stories of like, um, I can't remember, there's some Grecian myths, though. And there's certain places where a woman is literally reprimanded for her own rape. And so at least we've moved away. And like, this is progress step by step. And so like, we don't need to hit an end goal from the beginning, we need to, we need to go step by step. And so, like I said, we're going through a sexual renaissance and now women are allowed to show their body and in certain places, that is still like, that is like oh that's an invitation like oh 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 i can like i can abuse her i can i can do these things and the social the social consequences of that i think are definitely probably more powerful than the actual physical in my mind okay. the physical like you can get beat up or something but that's a one off chance you got beat up for it. You can come back again if you get a bruised eye, but the social consequences of being marginalized for your actions are like actually, I think, more effective. And so, like this cancel culture, we need to be very careful with it because it's very crucial to what we can um, do. We just need to make sure we don't misuse it to cancel the wrong people, for like the wrong, the wrong shit. You know what I mean? But I think the social consequences are. I, th- I think that's. I think that's a huge way to. Um, to change it but the thing is that people just get a, get away with these things and the wrong the wrong people get damaged for their own rape like the girls end up the man manipulates the situation he says no she had sex with me no she had sex with me and but then on the reverse women are misusing the category of rape and saying oh he raped me he raped me because that, she because she had sex and regretted it you know and this does happen and I, i've Witness it firsthand from friends. You know, I've never been in that situation because I can read body language very well. And I know that a woman's yes is a yes, like a strong yes, and I only have you know, I'm not I've never had sex where there was never a very, very strong yes. But I know people that have had sex where there was maybe a little bit of coercion involved. And just because there was coercion does not make it right because if you because that because some men can't actually read body language to the degree where they know if that full yes was a yes, you said yes, you said yes, that wasn't rape, mm-hmm. and so, so we've misused it a little bit, and so now we we get back to, we yeah we need a solid foundation, and we need to we need to use cancel culture, against the right people, yeah. and I think it's huge.
0: Yeah, and and I think like that's that's a big struggle. Like if we can't even communicate which lines are a hard yes and a hard no, you know like you said, all the lines are always blurred, as he said, she said, you know, there is no standard protocol. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you you meet up and then you do A, B, and C. Like, we, we used to talk about hooking up as like three bases and then you hit a home run. Yeah, at least those lines were kind of defined. Now with consent, like, I don't think a lot of people know how to articulate it, mm-hmm. and someone can look can seem like I'm guilty of this. I can seem like I'm you know, giving a, a very welcoming yes, but I'm just drunk, right? So I would just throw that all in the bucket of non-consensual sex, because mm-hmm. I'm unaware, right? Absolutely. So, so, so that's my, my one context, and that means, well, non-consensual sex is one thing, but that there, I think a lot of people that are like, it's either rape or not, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, no, there's, there's non-consensual sex, and that's this big, blurry thing in between mm-hmm. rape and consensual sex but if no one has that conversation like who when do you even talk about like sexual past partners what do you like what's okay what's on the table what's not on the table until you actually are doing it like it's too late by then right mm-hmm.
1: so according to the law i think is very interesting because according to the law if you're drunk you were raped like exactly. according yeah. to the law and so I think I think we need to direct this attack actually towards male's idea of his own sexuality so that we're not like placing this like oh did she, did she consent you know like did she give a verbal yes well she gave a verbal yes but she was drunk and she didn't really want to you know but she did give a verbal yes because um there was so many there were so many social consequences of her saying no there was one the ability of a man's rejection to result in anger. Yeah. So she said yes because she was afraid of him being angry. Or she said yes because in that moment she felt it, but she didn't have because she was under the influence. Right. So she had she said yes. Or they were doing drugs that made her want to have sex, you know? And there is drugs that make you want to have sex. I mean, there's a lot of drugs that make you want to have sex. But the next day you're not gonna be feeling it. So I think what we need to actually attack that focus is attack on is male sexuality that makes him think he wants to just fuck everyone for like for what is that? Why does a man have very, very low standards and a woman is is viewed as the gatekeeper of sexuality and then man is viewed as the conquistador? And he fucked her. Yes, like, oh, you got it. Good job, bro. You, like, fucked her. Good job. No matter who it is, no matter... Why isn't that conversation, like... What was, your, what was your deep feelings with that woman? Like, what, did, you, did you want to? Did you really want to? But instead, we focus all of that energy towards the woman. Like, oh, did you want to? Did you want to? And she's the one to blame if she opens her gate, in a sense, if she opens her legs yeah. to the man. She's the one to blame. Why don't we focus that energy towards men so that he actually honors himself to not let a woman into his temple? Because that idea is so pushed on women. Oh, don't like your, your body is your temple, your body is your temple. Why are men shelling themselves short and saying that oh like like, like her body is a temple, but like you know like I want to enter that fucking temple and like and her temple and her temple. I want to enter her temple. Every girl he walks in the room, he wants to enter her temple if she looks physically appealing because a man is a very physically like aesthetically focused. And then the woman is like the, the, is the sensual like intuitive one but we need men's intuitions to guide him, and we need to push push these principles that men, men's bodies are temples too.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I hate this context of like, um, there's nothing, there's no better pussy than you pussy. You know, that that whole idea of like needing to collect them all, try them all, but then there's no real connection in that sense. So how would you advise other men that look at women that way as a conquest as trying to collect them all to look at it differently to see the value in in respecting their own bodies you know what i mean like i used to be in that same space when i was a bartender i just would just walk around and collect bodies Mm -hmm. and I, i it took me so long well first off again i'm trying to be a man when i'm not and i'm like realizing how much i'm disrespecting my own body and devaluing myself and then being upset that other people aren't valuing me and i'm like well how can they value me if I don't value me, right? So how would you say that to all of the men that are actually completely hurting right now, having all of these, all of this pain that they've suppressed, right? How would you help give them space to, to see it differently, to start to value themselves and have that conversation with themselves?
1: Oh, man, wow. You just touched on so many things that I think were so important because you related your experience in a way that a man can understand because there are some women that that do view it in the way that a a man doesn't realize that some women also are having the same fucking thing going on in their head. They are literally, um, but it's just a different thing because they're the ones uh, receiving the game. You know, they're the ones... Maybe getting hit on, and they kind of subtly give the cues. You know, it's a more subtle game, but they're still doing the same exact thing, which is dishonoring themselves by sleeping with people that they don't genuinely feel a spiritual connection with. And I think, the, to answer your question, how do I approach men who have this idea, and how do we change this? How do we change that? How do we change that psychology where where they're the the conqueror, they're the conquistador of. Uh, a female pussy and they want to collect them all like Pokemon or some shit. (laughs) And so I think to answer that is like is like honor yourself. Honor yourself. Look in the mirror. Realize you can be, you are worthy of like this deep divine connection that is going to be better than the emptiness you are going to feel after you have sex with someone that you are not genuinely um, meant to like be with Physically towards the long run, and so I think we broke down this idea of monogamy, and now we have extramarital sex, and it's free, free sex, free love, free sex, and now we need to move back almost towards an idea of like a spiritual partner, and maybe they're not like the entire life. Like we can have premarital sex. Like you don't have to get married with her, but like, dude, honor yourself, like you have so much worth and when you do do that when you do do that when you focus on your mission so this is kicking game that like literally people hide this from other men the people the men that know this they hide this from other men because they see it as game that will give these men more potential to collect collect bodies if they really wanted to because if you literally are focused on your mission and aren't focused on having sex with men guess what you're the outlier you're the woman they see you're the man they see when you, they, you walk in the room, and you're not looking at every girl's butt everywhere, guess what, all of a sudden you're an attractor. All of a sudden you're a magnet, and, it, and I want you not to abuse that. Like I want you to see that and realize that magnetic attraction that all of a sudden women are gonna feel towards you because you aren't trying to fuck all of them, because you are focused on your mission, because you have a higher purpose. Do, if you abuse that, then you'll lose it. So use your power to focus on your mission Find a mission in life that is beyond collecting bodies, that is beyond slaying the next pussy, beyond having as much sex as possible. This is not safe for work. I'm sorry, guys, <laughs> but uh, that is beyond that, and you will be an attractor not just for men, not just for women, but for men and for your actual divine mission on this planet. And so, like, really, 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 focus on that and and block them out and call yourself celibate maybe. Even just call yourself celibate until like you find the girl. Until you find that girl that really sets your heart on fire, call yourself celibate or something. You know, because that is actually that is actually an attractor. When you are actually selective and that's why and that's why men like think about why you like the woman that is so selective about about and why you slut shame all the women who, you know, are Maybe a little bit too open for your taste. Even though all you men are just so too open for your own fucking taste. Think about how you would view your fucking self if you were a woman. (laughs) Wanting to fuck everyone in the room and then now, but your selection of a woman is you want a woman who's so fucking selective, right? You want the woman who's so choosy and she just chose you. But you literally want to fuck everyone that you see, that you see visually appealing. Think about how you would view yourself as a woman and now push that into your divine mission because i bet i bet your ass you would find that woman so sexy that you see that just doesn't have her eyes on any man in the room and instead is like focused on her music or instead is focused on her philosophy or instead is focused on her art i bet you would find that woman so sexy so now apply that to yourself
0: mm-hmm. yeah i love that i love that like look in the mirror kind of moment right and it's like if you're being so critical on one like how how would you look if you if the tables were turned and you were looking they were looking at you in the same exact context um i want to wrap up with um we've talked about so many things i love i love how this turned around is there anything that jumped out at you that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on further in another episode on the show
1: okay yes yeah yeah there's one more there's one more thing yeah i think i think um <clears throat> so we touched on slut-shaming just at the very end, and I want to elaborate on the idea that this is like a new idea or something. Slut-shaming is the most ancient, one of the most ancient ways to suppress female sensuality. And I want you guys to Mary Magdalene, the mother, you know, the um, Mary Magdalene, not the mother of Jesus, but the, the lover of Jesus. Some people say the lover of Jesus, but the practicer of the sex magic of ISIS was slut-shamed by the Catholic Church. Um... When really she was, she was a sexual healer, and I want you guys. I want every. I want a man to touch on the idea that sensuality is so important towards healing, and that we definitely need to um, protect femininity so that femininity can be more expressed. Because I know you guys want to see more femininity expressed in a sensual way, and so you need to view sensuality as not separate it from sexuality we are sensual beings like like think about think about your voice the way a woman talks the way it's so beautiful right it's so beautiful the way she can touch and like in just the light touch on your skin is can be such a beautiful thing and so I want a man to touch on one of these podcasts separating sensuality from sexuality and how slut-shaming has been associated with sensuality, and that's why we live in such a world that is devoid of sensuality and why we're starved for connection, why we're starved for physical connection. Not the physical connection associated with sex, but I mean cuddling, loving, appreciating. I know you men want more female friends that are just loving you, like hugging you, giving you deep, energetic hugs on your body when you're depressed when you're feeling low, when you just need more energy, or just when you need a friend. And so I want, I want someone to touch on
0: that. Okay, that's awesome. I'm, I'm welcoming that challenge. So um, yeah, let's, let's, let's hope we can find some. But I like that, it's so easy to talk about sex, but sensuality, that's such an intimate thing, even though sex is an intimate act, um, then people are like afraid to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: This is Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, this is great. <laughs>
0: We talked about so many things in this interview. It was unreal. I love how much we got into the role of women for men and how that needs to move away from a purely sexual conquest to something sensual, nurturing, and safe. What are your thoughts? Make sure to subscribe. And if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.